Hey, Christ Fellowship. My name is Omar, and I serve as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I'm glad that we were able to pray as a church earlier in the service. I don't have to tell you that our nation has gone through a very difficult week, and there's a lot of ambiguity, there's a lot of tension in our country. And it's during this time that our God wants us to pray to Him, to pray for our leaders that we would live godly lives and peaceful lives and to pray for wisdom to them, for, uh, for them. And so uh, I'm glad that we pray, but I want to encourage you as we move forward that we continue to pray to our God that He would just lead and that His will will be accomplished in the midst of all of this chaos, all right? Well, I want to take the time to also welcome everyone watching us right now at our local campuses live all throughout Miami, as well as everyone online and all of our first-time guests. Listen, if you are here joining us today, listen, it is because the Lord brought you here, and so we are glad and honored that you decided to join us. We hope that you're feeling loved and welcome, all right? Well, last week we started a journey through the Gospel of Mark, and we are in the middle of a series called Kingdom Come. And last week, Pastor Rick did a phenomenal job teaching us on what is the kingdom of God. And today, we're going to be looking at the baptism of Jesus and how it is a symbol of the kingdom of God. So I'm looking forward to diving into God's Word. I hope you are too. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. And you can also open up your Christ Fellowship apps and there follow along as well, right? You can just listen as I read. Listen to what God's word says. It says this. It says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. That is God's word. You can go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. Well, to start off, I have to be honest. I am not the biggest Disney fan, but whenever we do go to Disney World and they ask me, hey, what park do you want to go to? The park that I always say I want to go to is Magic Kingdom. You know, there's something magical about this place, right? And it doesn't matter how old the rides are, how simple the rides are, or how dusty the characters on the rides are. Listen, there's something that whenever you go to Magic Kingdom, you feel like a little kid again, right? Now follow me here. Because back in the old days, whenever someone bought you a ticket into Magic Kingdom, they would give you a little paper ticket that you would put in your pocket. And so whenever you were in the Magic Kingdom and someone wanted visible proof that you were part of the kingdom, you would take out that tattered old piece of paper, right? And you would show them. But a few years back, they brought out something that people could wear. And those things were these magic bands. Yeah, these magic bands. And these magic bands were really, really useful. Because with them, you can go into the park. You can, uh, you can open your hotel room. You can buy souvenirs. You can buy your lunch, snacks. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. And people even use them as fashion accessories. In fact, our production director, Garrett Silji, and his wife, Ileana, since they love this so much, they have them in every color so that they can match up to whatever they're wearing that day. So people really love them. But family, don't miss the point. Because the, the reason that people really just went crazy over them is because these magic bands, listen carefully, they were visible symbols that they were part of the kingdom. 
And family, people wore these things proudly. Why? Because they wanted everyone to know, hey, I am a member of Magic Kingdom. And family, let me just bring all that over to our teaching for today because what an image of what baptism is for the child of God. And by that, I mean that just like these magic bands, right, were a visible symbol that they are a part of the magic kingdom. Listen, just like that, here's the big idea for today. Baptism for the child of God is a powerful, visible symbol that you belong to the kingdom of God. And family, when you go into that water and you come up, listen, it's a beautiful, powerful symbol, right, that you do belong to God's kingdom. And who knows, maybe you're out there right now, you're watching, and you're probably thinking, all right, Omar, I'm tracking with you. I understand that baptism is a symbol of the kingdom of God. But why is it such a powerful symbol? And why did Jesus need to get baptized? Well, we're going to find out from Mark chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 1. Again, you can open up your Christ Fellowship apps and you can follow along there with us. And today I have two thoughts for us on how baptism is a powerful symbol of the kingdom of God. Write this down as point number one. The first thing we need to know is that Jesus' baptism symbolizes the inauguration, the start, the beginning of the kingdom of God. In fact, let's go to the passage for today and read it again. Listen to what it says. It says this. It says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Now family, pause right there and slip into the scene for a moment. Because we learned last week that when Christ came to this earth and he began his ministry, the first thing that he began to preach on was not the love of God, was not the mercy of God, was not the holiness of God. The first thing that Jesus began to preach on and talk about was this thing called the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is a place where God's will and God's dominion and God's blessings exist. And folks, if we just read just a few verses behind this passage at the beginning of, the, of this chapter, we see that John the Baptist, who's the cousin of Jesus, he was out in the wilderness and he was preaching, hey, listen, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is coming. And the very next thing we read, right after he warns people, the kingdom of God is coming, is the baptism of Jesus. And folks, let me tell you why it is significant, the baptism of Jesus, in, when it comes to the concept of the kingdom of God. See, one of the overarching storylines throughout the Bible is this whole concept of the kingdom of God. And so let me just give you a quick visual to help you understand really how the whole kingdom of God is seen throughout all of Scripture. As we learned last week, at the beginning of the, of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God established the original kingdom of God. And we see how God created the heavens and the earth. He created the Garden of Eden, and He placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
And folks, there was existed the original kingdom of God. And family, Adam and Eve experienced all the blessings of the kingdom of God. They experienced fellowship with God. The Bible talks about how God would come and walk with them in the cool, in the garden. They, there was no marital issues. There were no financial issues. There was no pain and suffering. And so while Adam and Eve were there at the, at the Garden of Eden, listen, they were experiencing all of the blessings of the original kingdom of God. But you know the story, because just three chapters later, we see that when Adam and Eve sinned, and they rebelled against God, they rebelled against the king of the kingdom, listen, that kingdom was lost. And folks, the moment that sin came into the world and the kingdom of God was lost, listen, they began to experience pain and suffering. Now there was marital issues, right? Now there were financial issues. And family, even today, listen, we are experiencing the, the, the effects of that lost kingdom. You know, this past week we saw how no matter how hard we try to establish our own kingdoms here on this earth, listen, none of them could be perfect. None of them could be the, like the original kingdom of God. But, you know, even though that kingdom was lost, God in his mercy and grace said, you know what? Even though you rebelled against me, you sinned against me, I promise you that I will one day reestablish the kingdom of God here on earth. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that there's a promise. Hey, there's a coming kingdom, and the kingdom of God will eventually come again. In fact, many of the prophets, prophets like Isaiah, would prophesy of one day this kingdom would be reestablished. And so family, now we fast forward to the Gospels. We're in the Gospel of Mark right now, and we see that in the ministry of Christ, we see the inauguration or the start or the beginning of the kingdom that God had promised. And Mark chapter 1 is, is important because we see that, that, the, that the baptism of Jesus is the beginning of the ministry of Christ. And so here we start seeing that through the Gospels, we see that this kingdom that God has promised really starts beginning once again. And we see it in the hearts of the believers, of, of the people of God. We see God's kingdom begin to expand little by little through the church. But family, even though the church is growing, the kingdom of God is beginning to establish and to grow, the reality is it's not where it was once before. And so we need to look now to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. When, when, the, when the Bible says that God, that when Christ returns, he will establish a new earth and a new heavens and the kingdom of God will be consummated, will be complete. And so from that point on, listen, we will experience for all eternity everything about the kingdom of God, God's fellowship, the fellowship with God, God's peace. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. It's gonna be an amazing moment when that kingdom is finally complete and consummated. And so, folks, you see the, the trajectory here, right? We, the kingdom was original. It was lost. It starts now in the ministry of Jesus, and it's complete at the end of Scripture. But family, even though the baptism of Jesus is important because it marks the beginning of this kingdom and it marks the beginning of the ministry of our Lord, something very peculiar, uh, something very particular happens at the baptism of Jesus. And that is a manifestation, a visible manifestation of the Trinity. 
You know, we believe that there is one God, but three persons, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, let's go back to the passage so you see where, what I'm referring to. Listen to what it says. It says, and when he came out, out of the water, right, the Son of God, Christ, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, the Holy Spirit. And then a voice from heaven came and said, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And so you see, at the baptism of Jesus, we see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be wondering, well, pastor, why is that so significant? Why are you pointing out that at the baptism of Jesus, there's a manifestation of the triune God? Well, listen, to understand the importance of that, we need to first go back to the beginning. In fact, write this down as small letter A. Listen, the original kingdom, the original kingdom was a work not only of the Father, but of the Trinity, but of the Trinity. You know, even though there are many places throughout Scripture that refer to the Trinity, to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's only two places that there's an actual manifestation of the Trinity. And the first one was at creation, at the establishment of the, of the original kingdom. In fact, let's go back to the book of Genesis and listen to what it says. It says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, modern translations of the Old Testament say the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters like a dove. So you see there's a connection there to the baptism. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, now let's pause there for a moment because we see, let's go back to the, to the previous slide for a moment. Notice, in the beginning, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. So this is God the Father overseeing creation. Then we see the Spirit of God hover, hovering over creation. And then if we go to the next slide, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, we know from the New Testament in Colossians chapter 1, that the member of the Trinity who said, Let there be light, was not God the Father. It was actually the Son of God. And so we see here that at the, at the initial creation, at the original establishment of the original kingdom, listen, it was a work, right, of the Trinity. And the second place that we see, uh, you know, the, uh, a manifestation of the Trinity is now at the baptism of Jesus. Meaning what? Well, meaning like, that just like the original kingdom, right, was a creation, was brought forth by the work of the Trinity, listen, the new kingdom will also be brought about by the work of the Trinity. In fact, write this down as letter B. Now, the new kingdom is a work, listen carefully, the new kingdom is a work not only of Jesus, but of the Trinity. You know, many people, when it comes to the new kingdom of God and because of the ministry of Christ, many people think, well, the new kingdom was brought about by Christ. But the reality is that the new kingdom is also being brought forth by the work of the Trinity. Now, you may be wondering, all right, Omar, so how exactly is the new kingdom a product of the work of the Trinity? Well, let me just give you three quick thoughts for that. The first thing we see is that the Father 
planned redemption. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that before the foundation of the earth, the Father had already planned not only to restore the kingdom, but the Father already had planned to save you. Now think about it. Think about all of your sin, all of your mistakes, all of the things that you're so ashamed about that you wouldn't tell a soul. Listen, the Bible tells us that the Father knew you, He loved you, and He had already planned to save you and bring you into His kingdom. It's pretty amazing. So we not only see that the Father planned redemption, but we also see that the Son performed redemption. You see, we see through the Gospels that Christ would go on to live that perfect life and he would go on to die on the cross for your sins and my sins, and he would then resurrect to new life. And so through the Son, we see that he did everything necessary for the new kingdom to be established and to be able to save us. In fact, it's interesting that at the baptism of Jesus, what he's really doing is that he is previewing or foreshadowing what he was going to do, right? He lived a perfect life, he died for our sins, and he resurrected to new life. Which, by the way, that is why we believe here at Christ Fellowship in uh, baptism by immersion. We believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so when we get baptized, what we're saying is that we are just like, just like Christ did, we are dying with Christ and we are resurrecting to new life. And so folks, not only do we see that the Father planned redemption, the Son performed redemption, but we also see that the Spirit applies redemption. You know, the Bible tells us in John chapter 16 that the Spirit of God comes to this earth, came to this earth, and He is the one who convicts us of our sin and draws us closer to God. Which means that that day or that season in your life where you began to feel maybe conviction of your sin, think back to that time in your life that you began just to feel like, man, I, I feel like I need God in my life. Listen, that's not because you were so smart or so wise or you finally got your act together. Listen, the reason that you started drawing closer to God is because the Spirit of God convicted you. And who knows, maybe right now you are here at church or maybe you're watching us online and you are going through that process. You know, you're feeling like I need for God. Uh, you're feeling convicted about certain things in your life. And so you're here tuning in right now. You're here at church. But let me remind you, listen, the reason you can't, you're here today is because the Spirit of God has begun to convict you and draw you closer to the, God, to, to, to the Lord. And so family, when we just step back, right, and we reflect on all that God has done for us, right? The Father chose us before the foundation of the earth. The Son did everything necessary to save us. And now the Spirit has come to convict, our, to convict us and to draw us closer to God. I think the question that I want to ask yourself is this. Is does your life reflect all that God has done for you? You know, when you think about your marriage, how you handle your marriage, how you speak to your spouse, all, everything. Listen, does your marriage reflect everything that God has done for you? If you're a student and you're at school and you're hanging out, does the way that you talk to your friends, does the way that you carry yourself, does the things that you do with your friends when you go out, do the things that you do with that girlfriend or your boyfriend when no one's looking, does that reflect 
all that God has done for you. Or the way that you handle your romance, your romances, or the way that you handle your money, the way that you honor God with your money, or when bad things happen, how do you respond? Listen, does your life reflect all the work, all everything that God has done in our life? Because see, the message of the gospel teaches us that when we truly understand what God has done for us, that God, the Father chose us, that Christ did everything for us and died for us, and the Spirit of God has come to convict us and to draw us closer. Listen, there must be a change in our life. And family, for those of us who understand what God has done for us, here's what's amazing. God has given us, the children of God, those people who have a relationship with God, who've trusted Him as Savior, God has given his children a very special symbol to show, hey, that you are in fact part of the kingdom. In fact, write this down as big number two. Our baptism is, symbolizes that we are a part, that we belong to God's kingdom. You know, going back to my opening uh, illustration with the magic bands, you know, when you were a little child, your parents usually bought you, right, these, the, the ticket to go inside the park. And then the symbol that they would give you are these magic bands, right? Someone paid the price to go into the kingdom, and now you, you proudly wear these magic bands as an outward symbol that you are part of the magic kingdom. And family, the same thing is with baptism. Listen, baptism doesn't save you. But what it shows is that someone paid the price for you to go into the kingdom, namely Christ himself. And folks, baptism now is simply, isn't a, it's a powerful symbol that we do now in fact belong to the kingdom of God. And you know, when you go into the waters and you get baptized, here's what you're testifying to. Write this down as small letter A. Listen, it testifies of God's work in your life. See, when we are getting baptized, when we are going into the water and coming back out, what we are in fact saying is that we have experienced, we understand that the Father chose us, that the Son died for us, and that the Spirit of God has drawn us closer and convicted us of our sin. Now, it's important to note something, that whenever we get baptized, there's a famous phrase that is uttered, right? It is, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's interesting that the only time that God commands us to utter the words in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's only over someone where they're getting baptized. Why? Because there's a direct connection that just like, listen, at the baptism of, uh, of Jesus, the Trinity was present. Listen, just like that, in the baptism of every single believer, we proclaim, we utter the fact that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved in the life of this person. And so family, not only does it testify that we, that we understand and know the, 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 the work of God in our lives, but also write this down as letter B. It also testifies that we now follow Jesus. You know, when Christ came, when Christ was baptized, he in a sense was setting an example for us. He was already showing us, listen, I will live a life. I will identify myself with you. I am going to die and resurrect. And so when you and I get baptized, what we're saying is that we are following Jesus now in our life. 
You know, we may not be perfect. You know, we might not be, uh, do things perfectly right the rest of our lives, but make no mistake about it. When you get baptized, what you're testifying is that for the rest of your life, you are going to do your best to follow the Lord, to honor the Lord, to obey the Lord, to, to really do everything that he's asking you to do. And you know, when I, as I was just preparing this teaching, I was just thinking to myself, you know, if someone doesn't want to follow the Lord in the simple step of baptism, then that could indicate that in their life, they're probably not following the Lord in different areas in their life. Think about it. It doesn't make sense if someone says, hey, I believe in the Lord. I love the Lord. I will do anything for Christ. I am following him the rest of my life, but I'm not going to get baptized. Right? If you cannot follow the Lord and obey the Lord in something as simple as baptism, then they might indicate that you may not be following the Lord in other areas in your life as well. But you know, when you get baptized and you go into those waters and you come back up, you know what you're saying? You're telling your friends, you're telling your family, you're, te- you're telling everyone at church, you're telling the world, you're testifying that even though you may not be perfect, for the rest of your life, you're committed to following the Lord. You know, and a good example is a story of Anthony. He is a young adult that comes to our church that's part of the Doral campus. In fact, take a look at his story. My name is Anthony Baserio and I attend Christ Fellowship Doral campus. About my walk with Christ before I gave my life to him. Nobody in my family is a Christian, like God, Jesus, never, it was never brought up in conversations in my house. And then I get to high school my freshman year and I wanted to transfer. And then the school that we ended up transferring to was a, was a Christian school. I wasn't going there for Christianity, for God. I was just there for baseball. Ever since I was a little kid, my dream was to be a professional baseball player. It was there where I started hearing about God. Like, I just grew like a hostile heart towards Christianity and towards, towards God because I wasn't used to that environment. But towards the end of my junior year, I started to become more receptive. Like, I don't know if I believe this yet, but like, I'm very inclined towards it. And I feel like, I feel like that was just like God tugging at my heart. Before I got to my senior year, the Lord literally, he took that passion of baseball away from me, which was like insane to me because like I, I had always enjoyed it. I went to that school for baseball originally, and then I ended up leaving with God. And so I gave him my whole life, like with every, any passion, any desire that I had, I would give it to him. Eventually where that brought me to was Christ Fellowship Doral Campus, where I found my place in community, being involved in young adults with high school students, on Fridays to serve in photography. So I got baptized in December 2020 here at the Lighthouse in Kibiscane. Some people call it El Farido. And so I mentioned it to my friends like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to get baptized next time they do it. And then one of my good friends, Matthew, he, he told me, oh, dude, we don't need to wait till, till the next time we do baptism. We could get a few of our friends together and just go to the beach and do it this weekend. And I was like, bro, let's do it, I'm down. Like in the process of the baptism, I felt like a tangible love from, from God because God knew I needed those people in my life. It was a really special moment for them to be there and for me to profess my faith publicly at the beach too. And with that comes boldness. And like you need to be bold for Christ in, in every area of your life. And as a result of that, I've been able to have many conversations with my family. 
explaining to them why I got baptized. It, it opened up doors for me to present the gospel. It just made me see like how God can work. He could use anything to soften the hearts of people. I would totally encourage people to get baptized because if you put your faith in Jesus and that's where your life has been transformed, like why not make it public? Why keep it internalized? You don't know how God can use that. You have no idea what that could do. Hey, can we give it up? For Anthony, what an amazing testimony that is of a young adult who said, you know what, I need to show the world, show my family, my friends, that I am a child of God, that I belong to God's kingdom. And so today I want to challenge you. Listen, I don't know if you have, uh, where you are in your walk with Christ, but if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a child of God, if you have a relationship with Christ, and you have not gotten baptized, listen, I think there's a perfect time to take the step of obedience. It doesn't matter if you've been following the Lord for a couple weeks or a couple months or many, many years, whether you're young or old. This is, listen, this is something that every person who's put their trust in Christ, who knows the Lord, needs to do. You know, so a lot of people say, well, you know, pastor, I'm not just not ready to get baptized. And, and the, what I always answer is, listen, if you're waiting for that perfect moment for you to get baptized, it'll never come. It's like having children. You know, if you're trying to wait for the perfect moment to have a child, it's never going to come. So you just got to do it at some point. Same thing with baptism. Listen, when you get baptized, I am telling you, it's going to be a very, such a special moment that you would treasure forever. And you're going to make a witness, a visible symbol of all that God has done for you. And so if you're saying, you know, Pastor, I want more information about getting baptized because we're going we're gonna to have baptisms in these upcoming weeks in our different campuses. I want to encourage you, take out your cell phone the easiest way and text the, num the, text the word CF Baptism to 313131. There you're going to get a link to your cell phone. You can fill that out. And then one of our pastors will reach out to you and will give you all the information, answer any questions you may have, and then we'll get you ready to get baptized. But listen, if you feel that tug in your heart right now, delayed obedience is still disobedience. So I want to challenge you right now. This weekend, go ahead, sign up. In the next several weeks, we'll get you arranged and we'll get you baptized. It's going to be awesome. Well, before I end, I just want to speak to some of us here today who are watching that perhaps, you know, you've been, you understand the concept of a baptism now. It's a symbol. You get it. But the reality is that you're in a place that you don't even have a relationship with God. You don't, you don't know Christ as Savior. You don't, you don't know God. You know of God, but you don't know God personally. And so you're probably thinking, Omar, I want to take that step. I want to start this journey with the Lord. I want, to, I want to know God. So how do I do that? But the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the question you probably have is, how do you call on the Lord? Is it by getting baptized? No, it's simply a symbol. Is it by coming to church, tuning in online? No. Is it by doing some sort of ritual? Is it some sort of tradition? No. Is it by being a good person? That's not it. Listen, you can do all those things and still not have a relationship with Christ, still not be a child of God, still not be saved. See, the Bible says that the only way to be saved, the Bible says that for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, there has to come a point in your life where you put your trust and your faith in what Christ has done for you. So you need to come to a point that you surrender your life. And the Bible says that the moment you do that, 
You come to Christ in faith. You put all of your trust and faith in, in God. The Bible says that God forgives you of all of your sins. He gives you everlasting life. He makes you his son and daughter. You start a relationship with God. And listen, you enter into the kingdom of God. But you first need to come to a point where you go to him in faith. And so if that's you, wherever you're watching, whether it's online or at one of our campuses, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And you pray this not to me, but you pray this to God because the Lord is waiting for you, right? Pray this with me. Father, today I come before you and I realized my sin. And I realized that I've been searching for things in this world, but nothing gives me the satisfaction that I'm, that I'm seeking. And so, Lord, I come before you today and I confess my sin before you. And I put my trust and my faith in you. Forgive me of all of my sins. Give me everlasting life. And bring me into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, today for saving me and now for allowing me to start walking with you the rest of my life. I love you, Lord. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, listen, let's give it up for those of us who prayed that prayer. If you pray that prayer, I want to encourage you, text the word CF Miami to 313131. You're going to get a link, fill that form out, and one of our pastors will reach out to you and help you start in your new journey with Christ, all right? Well, I'm going to call all the campus pastors to come to the front at all campuses. Christ Fellowship, I love you all. Have a great, great day. God bless you.